0: back, everybody. We have a breaking news episode for you today. We're a little behind the eight ball. We are not the first to report, but we did want to go over all the latest trades and signings. It was a very busy weekend in Major League Baseball as baseball is back. I am your host, Matt, here with Richie as always. We are uh, excited to break it down for you, Richie. And Richie, we have baseball in a full season.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Literally the day after we last recorded was when the lockout (laughs) ended, and so we should just wait uh, an extra day to record, but uh, maybe there's some good juju coming our way. Everything is moving fast. Opening days April 7th. Spring training starting here on Thursday. We're recording on Monday, March 14th, so yeah, a lot of stuff happening since we
0: uh, last spoke. Well that's funny I had uh, I had reached out to you during the weekend in which I'm always busy I work nights and uh, we, you know we had kind of assumed these trading these signings and trades would happen almost immediately I think Friday right and kind of really a bummer first night and then the explosion over the weekend and you pair that all together with the fact that NFL free agency is happening today it's it's a very fun time uh, in in both sports right now and you know we had some bad news today. we had the Fernando Tatis news of the broken wrist. Uh, He is deciding between surgery or not. Looks like he will be out three months if he chooses surgery. And then news broke a little bit uh, ago that he also did injure the wrist in a motorcycle accident, which was in his contract as a voidable incident. And San Diego came out and said that they will choose not to void the contract. They do value him long term and they value that relationship. But Richie, I guess my first question for you is, This was a really big contract that he signed he's shown injury concerns over the past say year and a half you know the shoulder and now the wrist and the shoulder itself may be a lingering issue his entire career this was an opportunity for them to get out from under that money and maybe rework the deal what would you do if you were the organization in san diego
1: i think i I would do exactly what they did as much as it sucks and you got the injury concerns You can't let this generational talent know that you have doubts about him when you know when he's on the field he is one of the best if not the best player in all of major league baseball and when he's right he's hitting home runs he's electric he brings you so much revenue because all of the fans across the world love him I think there was a poll that said uh uh, who is the most entertaining baseball player, and it came down to Shohei Otani and Fernando Tatis, and that alone just, uh, in my mind, kind of validates his contract, whether he doesn't stay healthy for all of it. I think you, you have to ride it out.
0: Well, it's interesting. You look at his deal, and you look at the deal Ronald Acuna signed, and I just think to myself, had the Padres waited a, a year, right, the risk was if you wait a year, this contract might be a $500 million contract. Or if you wait a year after the shoulder injury, now after the motorcycle accident, it could be a 10-year, you know, $175, 200000000 million deal as opposed to the $340 million he signed for. And you date back to the Ronald Acuna signing, which was ultimately 10 years, $100 million, with the possibility of becoming a $124 million deal if the Braves exercised their two options. And I just think to myself, what a steal Ronald Acuna still is to this day, right? You have seven years left of team control with Ronald Acuna going to 2029. And in comparison, yes, he's had the ACL injury, but that was a fluke injury. It shouldn't be something that hampers him the rest of his career if he comes back fully strong and rehabs properly. Tatis is a question mark for me now. I don't know that, you know, moving forward in dynasty leagues and even especially this season, you can't take him obviously in the first three, four, five rounds because he's going to miss so much time. But. Again, the the baseball uh, tied to the money, you know, the Braves are still reaping the benefits of that contract. And I think that brings us to our our next big topic, one of the biggest moves over the past week. Uh, They did make the acquisition of Matt Olson today, sending some pieces over to Oakland. What was your takeaway from this Matt Olson trade?
1: Well, I think the the biggest one is Freddie Freeman will not be an Atlanta Brave um, for the next season or for any upcoming seasons, for that matter. I think it's a great move by the Braves. They're already saving money by locking up Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna on relatively cheap contracts for the talent that they are. Now you get Matt Olson. I think what he's got, three or four years left on his extension, um, and he will not be making nearly as much as Freddie Freeman is going to get in uh, the market here in the next coming days. So I think that alone, Freddie Freeman's, what, 31, 32? So he's aging, probably nearing the end of his career in a, a few years here. So now you're going to have uh, big cornerstones with first base, second base, and outfield locked up, and your two, three, four hitters are looking sound for the next three years at a minimum.
0: Yeah, I did some math today. I looked at the Acuna deal, and I looked at the uh, Ozzie Albies deal. Ozzy Albi signed what was, in in most, a $45 million deal over nine seasons. And then you, we just talked about the Acuna deal being, you know, 124 over 10. And I kind of really broke it down to about $25 million a year that Atlanta will save when you also add Matt Olsen's contract. So now you have the three, Olson, Acuna, and Albies, with a $25 million savings net. I really feel like what they have the opportunity to do now is spend that either in the bullpen or in the rotation. You know, you look at the rotation as being very young. I think they could add a good piece. I think, you know, if you can contract this back, they probably should have signed Max Scherzer. That would have been the perfect stopgap until these contracts really kind of come due and they have to pay these guys again. But obviously, you know, the Mets took care of that early on this offseason. And you're right. Freddie Freeman's going to command a massive contract. I expect the Dodgers to offer him five to seven years And he is going to be turning 33 come end of this September. So he's no spring chicken. And I think, you know, with Matt Olson turning 28 at the end of March here, you've got a guy that's in his prime, going to be in his prime. And as you said, on a team-friendly deal, what was the biggest takeaway that you took from the prospects going over to Oakland? You know, we have Christian Pache going over there. We also have the young catcher, uh, highly touted as well. Who do you think actually provides the most value there for Oakland long term?
1: I think Christian Pache does from an overall baseball standpoint. He's more of a guy that's known for his defense and his speed. Um, as a center fielder, he can get all around and uh, save some doubles, home runs, pot, uh, potentially even triples. Um, I think that will be the biggest takeaway here, but Shea Langeliers, I believe is how you pronounce that catcher's name. I know he's known for his prestigious power. I know they have Sean Murphy over there in Oakland, but they are in a massive uh, sell-off now, so who knows what happens with him. Maybe he gets dealt. Um, and then they have two uh, young pitchers that they dealt, uh, Ryan, I'm going to butcher the, this name, Kusick uh, and uh, Joey Estes. Estes. Um, so not to, uh, know, I don't know too much about those two um, young guys in the lower minors. So uh, they still have potential. We'll see what happens with them in a couple years.
0: Yeah, I think I like the most, um, what I like the most out of this deal is actually the two youngsters that they got that you had just mentioned, kind of pulled their numbers up on baseball reference, and honestly, very promising young arms. Now, they are in the lower minors, so that could change, right? We usually see a real developmental jump once you hit double A from a pitching perspective. The low A, even high A, you know, is kind of where players are starting to find themselves. It's younger hitters, younger pitchers, but I think that this goes along with what Oakland does. You know, they take a couple guys that you won't hear of for three or four years, and then they rotate them into the rotation. They pitch well for two years, and then they trade them out. I think the biggest takeaway out of this entire deal for me, and this is something we really haven't spoken on the podcast yet about, is if Oakland does choose to relocate to Vegas. At this point in time, you have stripped that team of most of its assets. I fully expect that they're going to trade players on that roster currently standing, whether it's Sean Murphy, um, you know, Ramon Lariano. Frankie Montas, I, I expect this team to be completely stripped away. And if this team does choose to relocate, what are you really going to have as a baseball product to showcase in a new market? So I don't love giving Olson away, especially with team control. But this team has done it time and time again. They find their Matt Olsons, They find their Josh Donaldson's. You know, they find their Marcus Semien. So I think we just have to trust them at this point to do another rebuild. But in my opinion, a great trade for Atlanta replacing Freddie Freeman to get a guy again in his prime. Uh, So moving on, Richie, we want to talk about kind of the trade packages that happened with the Twins, the Yankees, the Rangers. First trade that broke over the weekend was Mitch Garver, the catcher for the Minnesota Twins, was traded to the Rangers for Isaiah kanoff And that trade was, you know, kind of low tier. But the news broke then that obviously the Twins were going to be flipping uh, Isaiah kanoff to the Yankees with Josh Donaldson for Gary Sanchez and a few other pieces. What was your takeaway from this deal, and how do you think it affects the Yankees and then also the Twins?
1: My, my first thought is, what are the Twins doing? Do they even know? Um, I think the first thing is your boy, Jose Miranda, finally is going to get a shot to play with Isaiah of falefa and Josh Donaldson going over to the Yankees. That clears up that whole left side. Uh, they did get Gio Urshela on, uh, from the New York Yankees, so I fully expect him to play shortstop, maybe third base. If he plays third, Jorge Polanco probably uh, shifts over to shortstop, and then maybe Jose Miranda plays second. Either way, I think he will have a a shot to prove it if he does well in spring training. What was interesting to me is the Gary Sanchez and the Mitch Garver. swap there mitch garver obviously going to the rangers which i think boosts his value um he's no longer going to be splitting time with ryan jeffers and the texas rangers want to compete so i fully think mitch garver will see ample playing time which i think makes him easily a top 10 catcher in fantasy regardless of format um but we were talking offline before this podcast and i want you to delve into this Gary Sanchez maybe the Minnesota Twins know something that we don't maybe they know something the Yankees don't maybe they can turn him around and get him above the 250 batting average uh, line and maybe he keeps that power production and then this is maybe a steal when we look back at it
0: yeah I mean if you think all the way back to when Gary came up he had obviously the prodigious power Um, he had issues with strikeouts issues with batting average he had worked his swing around a little bit Once he started having those issues and then he ran into the second issue which was the new york pitching staff didn't love having him catch you know we have the track record of him allowing pass balls of just being a very below average catcher from a defensive perspective and i think all of those things really grinded on gary i think mentally the baseball is probably the biggest sport uh, and positionally that really takes a mental toll outside of possibly quarterback in the nfl and as soon as a player falls in that negative mindset it really affects their performance and i think that's what we've seen from gary my assumption is the twins have seen something in his swing have maybe come up with an idea to lower the leg kick to give him better timing at the plate where like you said they can drive that batting average back up while also tapping into that power And I think ultimately a change in scenery is huge for Gary. It was needed. The pitching staff for the Twins is not a veteran pitching staff. He's going to be dealing with a lot of young prospects over the next couple of years. And he's going to have an opportunity to really anchor those staffs and really teach them to pitch the way he likes to catch. I think that's a really big key for him. He's not going to have Garrett Cole and Luis Severino throwing to him anymore who have these high expectations. And we had spoken and I said, you know, if you can't turn Gary Sanchez around, if you can't fix Gary Sanchez, at least you've gotten rid of that two years, $50 million remaining on Josh Donaldson's contract, which I think ultimately was the biggest goal for the Twins here. You know, we we did see them then also acquire Sony Gray from the Reds for Chase Petty, who was their 2021 first round pick. Um, so we, like you said, we don't know if they're in win now mode, but saving $50 million is, is always a win. And I think the second takeaway from this trade with Donaldson being acquired by the Yankees, in my perception, I think they're out on Correa. They're probably out on Freeman. We know we talked about him going to the Dodgers, but you bring $50 million in in Donaldson, you're committing to playing for the next two years under that contract with the team you currently have. You're not bringing Correa in at 10 years, $350 million. This was kind of your stopgap. So it'll be interesting to see if he can stay healthy. And I think the Yankees probably have at least one more move in that lineup to make. first base right now is just Luke Voigt, Uh, but I don't expect to see a very big uh, change for that lineup coming forward. So, Richie, the sunny, yeah. the sunny Gray well, trade, what did you think of that?
1: Um, I think the Twins gave up a little too much in, in Chase Betty their um, draft pick, uh, this past round. Uh, he's a high school pitcher, um, showed a lot of promise, uh, a lot of potential. We don't really know uh, what we have here, but Sonny Gray, you never know what you're going to get with him. Back when he was at the Yankees, he didn't do so well. Um, then in Cincinnati, you kind of turn it around, but playing in that small ballpark, um, you, you get mixed results. So going to Minnesota Twins definitely helps his scenery, especially going to the AL Central. You're going to be playing against some lesser teams in the the Detroit Tigers and the Cleveland Guardians. So I think that definitely boosts his value a little bit. Um, so I, st- I still expect a mid-threes to high-threes ERA, um, and maybe give you uh, some more a better whip um, especially in that ballpark but the one thing i wanted to touch on with gary sanchez before we move on is back in 2016 and 2017 when it was his breakout years he bet at 299 and 278 he had a 3.1 war and a 4.3 war compared to 1.5 last year and minus 0.1 um, in 2020 so if he can just turn that around you're looking at if not the best catcher in the league so if the twins can tap into that. They might have something here.
0: Yeah, and again, you know, is it mental? Is it the leg kick, right? Is it mechanical? And I just imagine from a team's perspective, there's enough tape and there's enough uh, hitting coaches within that organization that can find something within Gary to, to make him a little more productive on the field. And, you know, as you said, giving up Chase Petty, we spoke about this on the phone. I thought it was way too much. But, you know, Chase Petty could could completely flame out and never make the major leagues. That's the risk with taking a high school arm, especially in the first round. But Sonny Gray, you know, we're not sold on him. He's had the hype train. He's had the graph up and down, up and down. It will be interesting to see what he can do there in Minnesota. And he's going to kind of have to be one of the veterans on that staff. They're going to, like I said, have a lot of youngsters coming up moving forward. And Sonny Gray now kind of steps into that ace role in Minnesota, which I did not expect this offseason. But, uh, Richie, did you have anything else to add about the Yankees' lineup construction and maybe what they might do to finish off this free agency?
1: Well, my, my initial thought was Isaiah Kenner-Falefa has, uh, you know, had some experience playing catcher back for the Texas Rangers. Thought maybe he plays catcher for the New York Yankees, but I, I highly doubt it. Uh, they got Kyle Higashioka. I'm going to butcher you that. You got it, Kyle
0: Higashioka. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, who's, who's not, not great by any means. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe they go out and get Sean Murphy from the, the Oakland A's. I don't think they're done here. I think they got a lot of moves still. Um, and we still got a few more days before spring training starts. So I fully expect something more to happen.
0: Yeah, and uh, in regards to a few more moves, you know, it was a very busy day today. We We got to see the Reds in action yet again, right, acquiring Chase Petty from the Twins. It seems like now they are in what I would consider to be rebuild mode. They sent Jesse Winker and Ingeniero Suarez to Seattle for today for Justin Dunn. And in what is all accounts, a bunch of trash. Um, I, I just don't understand this deal, I guess. I think you give up two really good players. Suarez obviously hasn't performed well over the last couple of years. We did note that on the third base rankings episode. You know, that shoulder injury really has kind of uh, chipped into his production, at least from a batting average perspective. And he does have a contract extension that has a little bit of money on the table, but you're giving away two starting bats that will slide into Seattle's opening day roster and lineup. What did you think about this deal? And why, why do you think the Reds decided to walk away from these guys and get the value they did?
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, my initial thought is Jesse Winker is an injury risk. Um, and maybe they know something that we don't, and they're trying to off him before um, it's too late and kind of sell high before the the ceiling drops out, which I really hope, because I really hope doesn't happen, I should say, because I have him in our dynasty league, which would be a little bit heartbreaking, because um, he was one of my favorite players. Um, and then the other portion of this was, do the Seattle Mariners don't think Lee Rodriguez is ready enough? Um, or is this maybe just a ploy to keep him down as long as they can? Now their outfield is going to consist of Mitch Hanager, you know Jesse Winker, and Jared Kelnick. So he's clearly blocked now um, unless they use him at DH. So we'll see um, what happens there. Um, and Eugenio Suarez, I think he's kind of done. He's clearly a, a replacement for Kyle Seager after he retired. But I think that batting average is going to take a hit. But from a defensive standpoint, he's okay. Um, but I, I really don't get what the Reds were thinking. You, you think you could have got way more than just Justin Dunn and some uh, no-name players uh, for Jesse Winker and Anahanio Suarez. So I am a little confused about that or, or thought they could have got a little bit more based on the other trades we've seen today and yesterday.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I just pulled up Suarez's contract, and I think I may have found our answer. We kind of touched on the, this with Josh Donaldson, who, in my opinion, is a more productive player, at least proven, yes, there's injury risk, but... Suarez's 198 batting average last year was pretty atrocious. He has $48 million over the next four years on his contract. That's pretty scary. And if you look at the middling kind of market that is Cincinnati and the Reds and how they've constructed their lineup, $48 million goes a long way. I think they identified the fact that they're probably not going to win this year, probably not going to win next year, possibly 2024, 100 greens, you know, fully engrossed in that rotation might be the first year of contention. You also might have Chase Petty banging on the door at that point. So to have four years, $48 million change hands, it might have taken Seattle saying, hey, throw in Jesse Winker for us to take that money on. And the Reds in all accounts said, okay, well, we can probably get a a mid-tier prospect for Winker or a few mid-tier arms. It was probably a, let's just clear the the deck and move on from this contract that we signed. And honestly, I think Justin Dunn being a former highly touted prospect, like there's opportunity there. Is he a guy I'm going to draft in fantasy? Absolutely not. But from a baseball perspective, if you're rebuilding, why not? And we spoke on this for the Milwaukee Brewers' perspective and the St. Louis Cardinals for their hitters. This makes the Reds that much more friendly for your pitchers. I mean, you've taken away their biggest bat, if not you know, the, the best outfielder in that outfield in, in Winker, and Suarez is still a power threat at any time he can take you deep. I think this makes the Reds' lineup you know, very, very uh, challenging for them to, uh, to maneuver over the next couple of seasons, but it's very enticing for NL Central pitchers. But moving on, we have uh, we have a few signings we want to talk about. We have Yusei Kikuchi going to Toronto on a three-year contract. Richie, Yusei has been one of our big kind of podcast favorites, hasn't really lived up to the hype or our expectations. Uh, going to Toronto, what do you think of this deal?
1: I don't think it really matters for fantasy. I think he's going to give you uh, middle fours, maybe high fours, ERA. Um, Toronto's uh, more of a hitter-friendly ballpark, and now you're in the AL East with the Yankees and Red Sox. Um, So, I I think it's definitely a downgrade from him coming from the Seattle Mariners and the NL West, uh, or AL West, I should say. Sorry about that. Um, So, I'm definitely not interested in him, um, maybe as a sixth or seventh uh, starting pitcher, regardless of your format. Um, What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to say I hope they can tap into that Robbie Ray, Cy Young ability, right? I mean, Robbie Ray and Yusei Kikuchi, kind of similar pitchers in the way that they have big sweeping breaking balls, have yeah. had issues with command, have had issues with the home runs in the past. Um, I think he's worth a flyer at the end of your draft. if, you, if Again, if you can make him your 7th, 6th, maybe 8th pitcher and you can just sit on him, uh, he, he could break out. But I just what I've seen from him is similar to what I had seen from Robbie Ray over the years, just a guy that had control problems and had issues with the fly ball. I think to give him a three-year deal, though, means that Toronto has confidence in him again, much like we talked about with Gary Sanchez. Maybe they see something that we don't. But again, going from Seattle, going from the AL East, going to the AL uh, East is excuse me, the AL West to the AL East is going to be a big change. He now has to face the Yankees. He has to face uh, the Red Sox as well. Much tougher lineups and a much smaller ballpark. So whatever they have seen in him, they absolutely have to tap into because otherwise this is going to be a dead contract for three years. We have a few big signings from the San Francisco Giants, one being the Carlos Rodon deal that broke this past weekend on a two-year, $44 million contract, and then a couple smaller deals. So we'll touch on Carlos Rodon first, Richie. What did you think this meant for Rodon, his career, and then ultimately the Giants rotation?
1: I think it means wonders. Uh, San Francisco Giants have a tendency to get pitchers that are looked on less uh, by the rest of the league, and they turn these diamonds in the rough, if you will, into pitching gems. Look what they did with Kevin Gaussman. Um, There's a lot of hype going into the preseason about Alex Cobb and them signing him. Um, So I think Carlos Rodon, I think they see potential in him, and I think he can improve on what he did last year. I think the biggest concerns, obviously, are injury risk. You know, other than last year, he didn't really prove to us that he was durable. Um, So if he can do it again this year, I think um, it'll do wonders for him.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think industry-wide, the consensus is that San Francisco is willing to hand out $44 million. They've been known to be very frugal. Obviously, the front office coming from the Dodgers organization knows how to run the team. I think when you hand him $44 million, what that says to me is that you've looked at the medicals and you've said, okay, he is healthy and we can happily give him this money. And again, you know, forty-four million dollars is no joke. That's that's a very good starting pitcher you're getting from Rodon if healthy. I think it's a discount for the team, and I think ultimately it's a cash in for Rodon with that shoulder soreness that we saw last year. Right, that was the keyword they used for injury designation was shoulder soreness. There wasn't necessarily a strain or a tear. Hopefully, he comes into spring and pitches well. They did add a few other arms today, kind of uh, protecting that depth for their own rotation you had talked about adding alex wood that was big for the back end of that rotation but today they've added jacob junis and carlos martinez on a one-year minor league contract that is laced with incentives i love these two deals i like the carlos martinez deal a little bit more because high-end upside carlos martinez could be a top 30 pitcher he's he's shown it before do i think he's going to do it again no but i think there is opportunity and potential there what do you think about both of those names joining the depth in san francisco
1: yeah, just just to clarify, it's Alex Cobb, Alex Wood, that uh, signed with the Giants. But I think Carlos Martinez, um, I think he's more of a reliever. I don't think he'll get stretched out to be a starter. I think um, he's got durability concerns. Um, he had a high ERA um, with the Cardinals, but um, he tends tends to have a higher WHIP. Um, so potentially playing in a bigger ballpark with the Giants will uh, improve on that. So. I'm curious about that. Jacob Junis, I don't really have much love for. Obviously, when he was with the Kansas City Royals, didn't do too well, but average for a pitcher. Um, but who knows? Maybe the Giants do find something with him. Um, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on any three of those guys at late in drafts.
0: Well, yeah, and you look at the starting rotation now for what San Francisco has. They have both Alex Cobb and, as you had mentioned, Alex Wood. They have Martinez. They have Junis. And then the top three heavy, you have Rodon, Di Scalfini, and Webb, who all performed very well last year. I think DiScalfini probably overproduced a little bit. I would look for a little regression there. But you have those opportunities at the end of that rotation with Wood and Cobb, possibly injury guys that could see the shelf at some time this season, having Martinez and possibly Junis slide in there and be guys that could bounce back and, again, a larger ballpark. My big concern is this outfield, this overall lineup for the Giants. As it stands right now, they have Strzemski in right. They have Duggar in center. They have Wade Jr. in left. You have an aging Brandon Crawford, at shortstop. You know, Evan Longoria is a free agent still. Isn't that correct, Richie? Uh,
1: I believe so, or he might be with the Giants still. Okay. Uh,
0: um, it, my, my issue is where's the offense come from, right? If you've got all these arms, if you've got seven, possibly eight arms, because they do have Tyler Beattie still at the end of that uh, that bullpen as well, who could start, where is this offense coming from? We're going to get to the available free agents here in a little bit. But I think at this point, they have to add a bat. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I don't think they will. Based on the money that they tied up with Carlos Rodon and them making these pitching adjustments, I don't think they, that they would add a bat. I mean, even if they do need one, I just don't see them going out. As you said earlier, they're a frugal organization, and I just don't see them doing it. If they do, maybe they go and get somebody like Michael Conforto or somebody who's not gonna take a big contract but I just I just I'm having a hard time seeing it
0: I like Inforter in that field. I, I just look at the outfield in general you know you can justify the infield with belt possibly longoria Crawford and you know Tony Tony La Stella, like Tommy LaStella. Th- those guys okay I get it like it's not the best it's not the absolute worst but you're talking about an outfield that you, you, these guys shouldn't be starters you know even Yastrzemski with his down production last year is a guy I'd prefer to have as my fourth outfielder. I think they have to add a bat in that outfield. And I think Conforto, as you said, maybe he's a $12 million a year guy. It's not a ton of money to invest. You know, I, I think at some point they've got to add a guy. Moving on here, we have a couple small signings to touch base on since we've gotten through all the big news for the most part. Uh, last two big names, Clayton Kershaw did sign with the Dodgers for $7 million, $17 million on a one-year deal. A trade we have not spoken about yet, Richie, that I want to touch on. Chris Bassett going over to the New York Mets. Again, the Oakland A's continuing to sell off. What were your thoughts on Chris Bassett? What do you think this does for the New York rotation? And what are your projections for Bassett this coming season?
1: Yeah, I think with Chris Bassett going over to the Mets, I think that uh, does wonders for him. Instead of him operating almost as an ace behind Frankie Montas, I think he can operate now as a number three or four behind Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom, assuming he's healthy. Um, the one thing I worry about is what his ERA will look like. I think we can expect something closer to four rather than um, closer to the bottom three. Just looking at his home and away splits um, in Oakland in the Coliseum. At home he had a 244 ERA with a .89 whip versus a 371 ERA and a 1.19 whip. Um, so. Obviously did way better when he was playing at home um, in 11-game sample size versus 16 in, in a way. Um, but I, I still think he's a serviceable um, pitcher, playing on a great team. Uh, he's going to get a lot of wins now compared to what he was used to getting. Um, I think they'll lean on him for some innings. Um, and I think he's overall middle of the rotation for your fantasy team.
0: Yeah, I think this makes me want to stay away from Chris Bassett. I already wanted to stay away from him just for the simple fact that I assumed Olson would be traded. I'm assuming Matt Chapman's going to be gone, as I had said, Ramon Lariano probably also out. And you know what, Sean Murphy, you know, very cheap contract, but would not be surprised for him to be traded. There was not going to be a lot of offense there in Oakland. And you add those uh, way splits there, it does scare me. I think it was a good trade for the Mets. Get some consistency at that number uh, three slot of the rotation. I think this is more of a baseball real-life trade. Then it is a fantasy implication. We're going to go ahead and touch on a few news here uh, news and notes. And then we actually have a breaking trade in our fantasy league, Richard. So we'll touch on that in a minute. First news and notes of the day we have Rockies are eyeing Chris Bryant. Be very interesting to see how much money they're willing to offer and if Bryant is willing to go to an organization that is not in a win now or win tomorrow mode. The Cubs did sign Angel Till Simmons, possibly taking the opportunity and most likely taking the opportunity that Carlos Correa or Trevor Story will be joining that infield. The Cubs are also showing interest in Japanese star Suzuki. Richie, we need to know this as the season goes on. And I would like to hash this out before we actually hear a soundbite. Is it Seje? Soje, how do I pronounce this guy's name?
1: I don't know is the correct answer. Yeah, I'm just going to call him Suzuki.
0: Suzuki. We're going to roll with Suzuki, not Ichiro Suzuki. And uh, Mr. Suzuki, I am sorry. Hopefully sooner than Sezu? Later. Suzuki? We'll go with Seizu. I think it's Seizu.
1: Okay. I do have an update for you. As of 32 minutes ago, Andy Webb of the Roto Baller is reporting that free agent Chris Bryant is down to the Seattle Mariners or the New York Mets.
0: Okay. He's got to go to the Mariners because I need that 20 bucks from you.
1: Is that what you guessed?
0: Yeah, I guess Mariners. But the Suarez signing, I mean, what does that do, right? Does does Bryant go to the outfield and then we see Julio Rodriguez in like 2027? Or does Suarez... Well, they they have the
1: DH spot open and Kyle Luce is still injured. Kyle Luce, don't forget about him. I don't think he played at all last year. Or maybe they moved
0: Bryant to first base or maybe they put Suarez at first base with the idea that the shoulders... Well, they got Evan White at... uh, Oh, Evan White
1: sucks. (laughs)
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean,
1: Ty, they got Ty France, too.
0: Well, Ty's our boy. And Evan White was my breakout of the year last year, and he made me look like an absolute idiot. So I, forgot I about that on Evan White because I looked stupid.
1: Well, um, now this is the year he's going to break yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, I'm going
0: to go back to our archive, get that, and dig it onto social media. Uh, moving along with the news and notes here, we talked about Suzuki possibly being interested in Chicago. Chicago is meeting with him. Schwarber is being pursued by the Blue Jays. I think that would be a really nice fit. Uh, Phillies have signed two older arms for their bullpen. They signed Brad Hand as well as Jarius Familia. I actually like the Familia signing a lot. He had an OK season the last couple of years. Washington did add uh, Sean Doolittle back to that bullpen. That will be an interesting older arm in that bullpen if he can make the club. They did sign Nelson Cruz, who was rumored to possibly going to Milwaukee, which would have been in par with my free agent signings, but he had to ruin it. And the Brewers did sign Andrew McCutcheon today. Uh, Richie, all of those news, notes, what's notable to you, and you know, what do you think has the most value there?
1: I think the biggest one is possibly Kyle Schwarber to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he did wonders before he got injured. I think he was on pace for over 40 home runs. If he plays uh, in that league with Boba Shed and Vlad Guerrero, I think he's got the line of protection where pitchers won't pitch around him, and I think he can um, expand on that, especially playing in that friendly ballpark so I think if he goes to Toronto I think um, that is the big one
0: yeah I think you're talking about an absolute career breakout you know Schwerber being in former number one prospect having up and down career had a fantastic stretch last season I think you know we saw what Marcus Semien could do in that lineup I don't expect the same average I could I could very well see close to 50 home runs from Schwerber I think that's absolutely ludicrous but that's the ceiling for me if he goes to Toronto and plays a full season he could be an absolute monster there. So, Richie, I, do you have anything to add on on Schwerber?
1: Not, not on Schwerber, but I don't like Nelson Cruz to the Nationals. Um, that's probably one of the worst teams I'd like him to go to. Um, he will be playing along Josh Bell and Kybert Ruiz, but I just don't like it. I don't think he's got enough line of protection. Um, he will be playing DH there, so that is good. but. <sighs> I don't know. I wish I would have went to the Dodgers or the Brewers or a, a maybe a more hitter friendly ballpark.
0: Well, and I think that's probably why you saw the response today for the Brewer signing Andrew McCutcheon was because, you know, plan A was Nelson Cruz clearly didn't offer enough money. And now you have to settle for Andrew McCutcheon, which is a big, big step down, even though Cruz is 41. Uh, Richie, we have some open free agents to talk about some guys that, you know, have not signed yet. You just broke a little bit of news on Chris Bryant. But before we get to that, We did have this breaking trade in our fantasy league. I want to get your thoughts. We have Clayton Kershaw being traded for Javi Baez. Baez owner that is receiving Baez did have Fernando Tatis, so it looks like they are trying to kind of have a stopgap until Tatis can come back. And then Kershaw going over to a team that looks like they are making a run at veteran pitching this season. What are your thoughts, and how do you see it affecting their rosters?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great move for um, Maxim Parker, who had Clayton Kershaw. Um, For the listeners who don't know this league, um, they were in a little bit of a salary crunch to get under our um, salary cap. So Clayton Kershaw was $43, and I believe Javi Baez was $21, $22. So they shed um, $19 in this trade, which is great. Um, I'm a little concerned with Nate and Greg's team. Um, who is acquiring the $43 Clayton Kershaw because they just traded with you, Matt, um, (laughs) for two expensive pitchers. So it'll be interesting to see how they structure um, their salary with, I mean, basically a third of their salary cap going towards three starting
0: pitchers. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their roster, they'll have Darvish, Kershaw, and Thor, you know, kind of solidifying that top of the rotation. And then you have Anthony Scalfini, Kyle Hendricks, Nathan Avaldi, German Marquez. Like they've got some names that i like you know luke weaver's on the bench we know what to expect out of luke denilson lamette as well um i think this is kind of an issue our, our buddy brandon got into a few years ago you know you go after some of these higher price names at the tail end of their career and if two of the three go down with say a month-long injury now you're taking you know maybe a one in three record in that month and as you said allocating that much money but ultimately, in a dynasty league, which is what we play, you know, you can't understand if these owners were going to keep either of these guys. You know, this Nate and Greg team could have easily just said, well, we weren't going to keep bias. We wanted the option to think about keeping Kershaw. And that could be said the same way for Parker and Max, deciding, hey, I'm not going to keep Kershaw. Let's go get an asset and have that stopgap. I think it's a good deal. It's always fun to see preseason trading, especially in dynasty leagues, and to see how they shake out. Uh, I, I love it. You know, we just got another text here offering up Harper and Freddie Freeman. This is is the time to make these deals, and it's the time to call out people's bullshit as well.
1: Yeah, um, I love trades. I love that it's back. I actually made a trade myself. I offloaded a $30 Xander Bogarts that I couldn't keep for $6 Brian Reynolds, um, which will definitely help now that I find out that Ronald Acuna will be out until the middle of May. So that will be a nice little stopgap for me Mm -hmm. as well.
0: Well, and you bring up Brian Reynolds. I think it was an amazing trade by you. Again, Bogart's highly uh, priced player on a rotation built to win now, bringing in Reynolds. And we spoke about this over the phone. You you hear the news about Winker today, and there's some uncertainty as to, again, why Winker was traded to Seattle. You know, Does that hurt his production? I think the obvious answer is yes. Much different ballpark as Cincinnati's hitter-friendly park. Um, but Brian Reynolds slides in as an immediate starter in your lineup. I think this is a big deal. And as you said, $6. This could be a guy that you leverage over the next two or three seasons, is a very cheap, productive outfielder and a guy that hasn't really been valued the way he should, at least coming into last season in our league. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Hit it right in the head.
0: So let us finish the show today. We're going to just go over some available free agents real quick. Um, Richie, I want you to start the list off and kind of just give give our listener maybe any news you have or maybe any um, prediction that you have on these guys as to where they might land now that we're in the heat of it
1: yeah absolutely i'll go through them even if we haven't talked about them uh freddie freeman uh we briefly touched maybe looking at the dodgers or the yankees carlos correa there was some talk about him going to the chicago cups however they did sign andrew Elton simmons to a one-year deal still not out of it um yet there is uh some rumors that he may sign a one-year deal with the houston astros trevor story is still out there haven't heard much buzz on him at all Kyle Schwarber, we mentioned about uh, the Blue Jays. Chris Bryant with the Mariners or the Mets. Castellanos, there's been rumors of him going to the Marlins or the Phillies. Suzuki, you mentioned earlier. Kenley Jansen, not too many rumors, possibly the Marlins. There's also rumors that he might go back to the Dodgers. Anthony Rizzo, haven't heard much about him lately. Um, There was a possibility of him going to the Yankees. Michael Conforto, we mentioned earlier. Still um, not much uh, traction on him. And then the other two we haven't really talked about, kind of on the lower end here, is Zach Greinke and Jorge Soler. Um, Zach Greinke, not really relevant for uh, fantasy at this point. Um, maybe as a, a bench starter. And then Jorge Soler, depending on his environment, um, might be a good steal near the end of your drafts.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we are at the tail end of free agency now, and I think guys like Jansen are going to be ones that possibly sign middle of the spring training season as we start to see some of these injuries come into play. Soler, obviously, you know, a big question mark was World Series MVP and has the opportunity to play at a significant level on the right team. But these are the guys that could make or break an organization. You see Milwaukee signing uh, Andrew McCutcheon. I think I would have much rather preferred Jorge Soler coming in. So it's interesting how these teams are deciding on each player and what that player himself is actually requiring to be signed. Trevor Story news here a little bit. Minnesota Twins are checking in on Trevor Story. Um, Again, what are they doing, right? This is just ludicrous. You're you're making all of these deals and you're trying to contend and you have the White Sox and the up-and-coming Kansas City Royal youth movement as well as Detroit's youth movement. I don't know if they're just throwing darts at a dartboard and saying, screw it, trade, sign. It doesn't make any sense. But Trevor Story in Minnesota, I don't like that either. What are your thoughts if he lands with the Twins?
1: Yeah, if he goes to Minnesota... I mean, realistically, I don't see it happening, um, but if he did, I think it'd be great. That he'd be surrounded <laughs> by a great lineup in a great um, division where he can um, feast on all of the low-end pitching. Um, he, obviously, no ballpark is going to be as great as um, the Rockies, but I think that's probably one of the best-case scenarios for him.
0: Yeah. It will be a interesting, busy week. As you said, spring training games are on the horizon, so we will have hopefully more news for you on our next episode. We will be doing another episode of our rankings come this week. Uh, look forward to that, and then we'll kind of start diving into some of the um, production numbers from spring training, some of the breakouts, some of the guys that are underwhelming, and I'm sure we will be talking about lots of injuries, unfortunately, coming up here in the next few weeks. But that does it for us today. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next week.